Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hi, Sid. Hey, Justin. Congratulations. Looks like we made it. We did. Congratulations to you, too. This is episode 200 of Sawbones, the podcast. So. You wouldn't think, you know, your body doesn't even have 200 parts. It's amazing that we managed to do 200 episodes. I think it's really just a testament to how much ridiculous stuff we've done in medical history like not us not you and me personally we didn't make this stuff up but as humans you know i've made a few of them up over the years <laughs> sort of seeded them on the internet no get rich quick scheme don't say that <laughs> oh uh, but not on our show my only worry we, we seek to provide truth in the form of entertainment my only worry said is that this week's episode is going to be a bit of a snooze is that where? Is that how you're going with it? That's, is that, how, that's what I'm doing for this one. That's what you're doing. That's my thing this week. Okay, that's okay. Well, I'll, I'll go with it. Justin's trying to hint to you that uh, we're going to talk about snoring this week. I'm succeeding in hinting. Yes, I think uh, yeah, that's true. Yes, trying trying to cleverly hint. How about that? Snoring. How did we start? How did we decide on this one? We were talking about CPAP machines, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And and so I also, I will talk about uh, obstructive sleep apnea, what that is and kind of how, because that is closely linked to snoring and there have been some creative ways of addressing both. Cool. And I think uh, this is also appropriate to do for our 200th episode because as I looked back, a lot of people have suggested this. Okay. Some people have, some of the people I'm going to thank have actually even suggested it more than once. They're just desperate to hear about it. That's that's the Sawbones community. It's, this is a collaborative effort between you and us, listener. Mm-hmm. Sawbones at MaximumFun.org, by the way, is the email address. Make we don't sure, say it enough. <laughs> we don't say it enough. Make sure you put, you know, topic suggestion and then whatever you want to suggest in the subject line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could be like one of these people who's about to get thanked. Thank you to James and Corinna and Lindsay and Dora and Grace and Brad and Casey and Erica and Jennifer and Andy and Tamara and Michael for suggesting snoring, sleep apnea, or some combination of the two. Said so they waited long enough. So, Justin, do you know what snoring is? Uh, gosh. It's pretty I straightforward. It. I hate it when we have to do this. Is it? It, it, I, it really is. It's hard. I mean. It's when you breathe in while you're sleeping and because your nose has too much snot in it, it makes well, a sound. Okay. That's, I mean, so, yes. Yes. That is an example of a reason why you snore. So that's, that's not, you're not wrong. Uh, generally speaking, snoring that, folks, is. I'm not wrong. Is a sound 
made while sleeping that would indicate there's some sort of resistance or turbulence in your upper airway, which could be caused by snot. There are other reasons that could, you know, there are other things that could block the airways. Your nose is too small. It's all goofy, gaga, weird up there. That's my problem. Too small a my nose. nose. My nose is too small. You offer some hot fresh my, peanuts to Sydney. You say, Sydney, get a snoot full of these. And she says, I smell nothing. My, no, I smell things, but my nostrils are very small and they're hard to breathe through. If I try to breathe through my nose only, it's very difficult. I like your small nose holes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm explaining to you why. I do occasionally snore, I know. Oh, yeah. Thanks, honey. A little bit more than occasionally. You, okay, you do sometimes too. I, Actually, I stay up too late reading those Poirot novels and you, you always fall asleep before me. <laughs> Almost half of people snore. About 45% of people snore sometimes. Not all the time, but about 45% of people at some point or other snore. And have you ever noticed that there, that even though the numbers are pretty much in favor of a lot of people snoring, um, what, well, what, okay, you said sometimes. Who, who does all the time? 25% snore all the time. Have you ever noticed that some people get a rep for like, it's like, there's not, it's not just like snoring or not snoring. It's not binary. Some people get a rep for like, devastating snoring yes well and usually and we'll kind of get into this people who have devastating snoring there could be another problem going on there could be other issues Mm -hmm. most people who snore aren't like devastating snorers um but i've known some i i when i was working at joystick i roomed with a guy who snored so bad that while he was mid snooze i turned on the loudest alarm that my phone had (laughs) until i saw he was sufficiently woken up and then quickly fell asleep while he was trying to get back to sleep like i had to create sleep windows self-defense yeah to fall asleep uh some risk factors for snoring uh, we tend to be at higher risk for snoring as we get older because the muscles that kind of support our airway will get weaker over time and allow them to kind of collapse on themselves which creates some resistance and and one of these noise. days we'll find something that gets better as you get older but we just <laughs> haven't cracked it yet uh wine <laughs> fine <laughs> Sure. I, I do Cheese? know a lot of old people seem to like wine. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, obesity is a risk factor because uh, some of the adipose tissue or, or like fatty tissue can deposit around your airways, again, making it heavier and harder to support. Um, uh, things like sleeping position. You're more likely to snore if you sleep on your back. That doesn't mean everybody sleeps on their back snores, but it's more likely to snore. Um, uh, and in in many cases, some of these things that I mentioned are also risk factors for obstructive sleep apnea, which does cause severe snoring. What that basically means is that you have so much resistance to airflow. Your airways are collapsing at night to such an extent that you're actually not getting oxygen properly throughout the night. Hmm. So you're either having episodes like apneic episodes where you stop breathing. Not great. Or you're having episodes of hypoxia low oxygen where you didn't completely stop breathing but your oxygen dropped really low because you couldn't get a lot through your collapsed airway hmm. that's not good either and it leads to you being incredibly sleepy all day long because you couldn't get that good oxygen that your body craves well every time your brain isn't getting enough oxygen it wakes you up a little bit so that you'll breathe and get oxygen hmm. but every time you wake up a little bit you disturb your sleep cycles and you never really Can't get, get that, that, good, that that good REM exactly you never get good REM and you never get good deep stage four sleep so as a result it's basically like you're sleep deprived even if you felt like you were asleep for a long time and it steals your dreams and that what well, yeah it does Think about that. All your dreams. All your dreams. And it, and you you would know if somebody had sleep apnea, if you've ever heard anybody not just snore, but kind of do that choky, gaspy, scary sound in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. that person probably needs checked out for sleep apnea. Hmm. Um, did you know an- some animals snore? 
Really? Dogs can snore. Lions can snore. Our cat wheezes when she sleeps. Yeah. It's not really snoring. I think our cat has obstructive sleep apnea, though. Yeah. I, th- I worry about she that does with seem her. She tired. Yes. But she's also a cat, so. Yeah. Nice. Uh, snoring has been documented since ancient times. A lot I of what. I hope so. I lot... mean, that would be weird if they're like, a few hundred years ago, people started snoring. <laughs> we discovered snoring. What? No, but and a lot of what is written, when you start to read papers about snoring, a lot of it is citing like great works of literature or like epic poems and things like that, where it's like we mention so-and-so was also a terrible snorer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Greeks and the Romans actually, um, they associated it with a couple different things. One, it was just a good proof that somebody was sleeping. <laughs> you know they're sleeping, they're snoring. Although they knew that not everybody who sleeps snores. And then they even suggested that sometimes people did it deliberately. Sure. Just, just to, to like be really re- rude. To show off how good they were sleeping. <laughs> I'm such a good sleeper. Watch me snore. But it was generally associated with kind of like uncouth behavior. It does seem to be, they. it's used a lot, I feel like, in media to represent somebody who's like slovenly, you know? That that association is ancient. I mean, it's not, it's not true. It's just something that has stuck around for a really long time. Um, some of the things could be some of the things were grounded in some actual facts so it was thought that if somebody snored it was a sign that maybe they ate too much especially right before they went to bed so like a big dinner or something they kind of were were gorging themselves or that they drank too much alcohol somebody who was drunk these actually are risk factors for snoring Mm -hmm. so while they certainly have nothing to do with being slovenly or uncouth if you snore eating and drinking too much could make you snore um it was also though seen because i think of these kind of behaviors of like eating too much drinking too much it was seen as like a sign of amorality or like depravity mm-hmm. you would you would use that to describe somebody like a snorer as like a and and also they, and they snore yuck right um which obviously is not it's not true um it and is then, annoying though and i think people do project I can understand why you would project intentionality, intent, I guess, onto snorers. It feels, if you're somebody who's been kept awake by a snorer, it can feel very personal. It, yeah. I think that, I think that's true. I think that's true. I remember many, many nights, my dad from downstairs waking me up with his snoring and, and you, feeling and like, Your dad? reaction is always like, how could you? How could you do this? Uh, they also noted some, some more true factors, like laying on your back is a risk factor for snoring. Mm-hmm. If your neck was thicker, they would talk about people with thicker necks. Yeah. And that is true. Um, but then they also described that you could sometimes see snoring. So who knows well, what they were talking in about. Japanese cartoons, yes. The little like bubbles. Yeah. Yeah, those are snot bubbles. Ew. That's what they are. And that make them a lot less cute. Yeah. I prefer the giant drop of sweat. Yeah. 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 It indicates stress or anxiety or nervousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I really wanted Plenty to give me, Plenty the Elder, to give me a lot of good suggestions about snoring. He didn't. Aww. The only association I could find with Plenty and snoring is that it was it was actually recorded by Plenty the Younger, by his nephew Plenty the Younger, that uh, when Mount Vesuvius was erupting, the night before he actually, you know, because he went on a rescue mission. We've talked about this before. Sure. He went on a rescue mission. To save people in Pompeii. And the night before um, he died of inhaling noxious gases, 
uh, he slept and they went to wake him suddenly and they knew he was in a deep sleep because he was snoring loudly. They woke him up and told him, hey, you know, the, the volcanoes, it's getting bad out Come here. Come on, time to buddy. go. And I bring up Pliny in part because why not? We love Pliny here. But also because um, I thought a little news break, saw, special Sawbones <laughs> news break. <laughs> As many of you have been so kind as to tweet at us or post on our Facebook page, they may have found Pliny's remains. Ooh. Now, it actually is, as I was reading about it, they actually were possibly found back in the early 20th century by Gennaro Matrone. Um, and uh, he discovered these remains in the location that fit... Uh, Plenty of the Younger's description of where Plenty mm-hmm. the Elder would have would have died. Um, and based on the fact that he had this ornately decorated sword and all this jewelry on, he theorized this must have been someone of of a higher class. So this could very well be Plenty. Mm-hmm. And at the time, other archaeologists were like, Plenty would not wear all that jewelry. You don't know Plenty like we know Plenty. Yeah. He would not wear all those bangles. That's not Plenty. Well, Matrone kind of said, well, forget you guys then. He sold all the jewels. Because <laughs> back then, the the law, the law rules were a little looser on what you could do with that stuff. Right. So he sold all the jewels. He tossed some of the bones back in the ground. Cool. He sent the skull to a tiny museum and said, here, you keep the skull. You're sitting in front of for this in your tiny museum. I'm done with, <laughs> I'm done with you people, whatever. In your comically small museum. Well, now we know that someone of Pliny's rank, he was from the equestrian class, probably would have worn all that fancy stuff. Um, and we have the tools now to try and maybe pinpoint exactly when and, uh, when this per this skull, you know, when this came from, what, what mm-hmm. exact period. And by examining the teeth, we can tell what kinds of foods they ate. Fascinating. And things. And this might pinpoint the place they lived. And if it's the same as Pliny's, we could reasonably deduce that this may well be Pliny the Elder. So anyway, this might be his skull. There's a crowdfunding effort. I think they need like 10,000 euros or something. Okay. There's a crowdfunding effort to try to raise the money to do the science to figure this out. Oh, man. I uh, hope they can do it. I hope they can, too. I, I don't know. Just just so we know. Yeah. It's plenty of the elder. It'd be good. Might be I his mean, head. I'm pretty sure he's not alive. No, I mean, it's his skull. Like, it's there's no yeah. doubt. This is, not, it, this is not to figure out, could he still be alive? But could we Jurassic World him? Well... If we needed someone to be wrong about modern day things. Did we find any mosquitoes nearby trapped in amber that may have. <laughs> anyway. So, so there you go. There's your update on Plenty of the Elder. Everybody was dying to know the latest Play news watch. on Plenty of the Elder. Um, Still dead. The Egyptians had a unique solution for snoring. Uh, they had these very uncomfortable looking wooden pillows. They actually what? kind of look no, like these. you can't. I love you, sweetie. You can't have wooden pillows. Well, that the, can't be a thing. <laughs> they kind of look like they're like headstands. They're like human okay, headstands. Literally. It's like a wooden stand with like a curved part that you lay your head on. And it could be like very ornate. You could decorate it. And then you just sleep on that. And it raises your head up really high, which would make it harder to snore because of the position. You're elevating your head quite a bit. Okay. Which elevating your head, like sleeping on several pillows or a wedge pillow or something like that could help with snoring. So that was, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It, it seems, seems incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. It seems like a wild leap to make from like more pillows to wood. <laughs> like, but I guess they didn't have a lot of pillows back then. I don't know. That was before pillows were invented and feathers and stuff. It seemed very stately, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, Shakespeare described what 
seems to be uh, like an early account of sleep apnea in Falstaff in Henry the fourth. He talks about him uh, snoring loudly and needing to catch his breath while asleep. Huh? So that's probably an early description. Invented sleep apnea. Well, thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Shakespeare Shakespeare didn't invent it. Okay. It just happened. He invented lots of words though, like sleep apnea. No, no, he didn't. No, he did not invent sleep apnea. Please stop misinforming the public. <laughs> uh, Dickens wrote also about what, what we kind of think of as sleep apnea today in the uh, posthumous papers of the Pickwick Club. He wrote about Joe, who snored very loudly and was obese and was tired all the time. And so this was probably a description of somebody who had sleep apnea. Um, this led to, the reason I mentioned this is simply because it led to a term that I still sometimes hear used today, which is Pickwickian. Pickwickian, okay. To describe patients with this constellation of symptoms. Hmm. They could be Pickwickian, meaning that they have sleep apnea. Perhaps it has to do with uh, something we call obesity hypoventilatory syndrome, where it's uh, it has to do with the weight of the tissues of the neck compressing the airways. So anyway, it, that's a term that uh, was first used in describing some of the original cases in medical literature mm-hmm. of sleep apnea, like actual medical cases back in the late 1800s. And like I said, it persists. I still hear physicians refer to patients as Pickwickian to this day. Now, Sid, we've talked a lot about uh, uh, snoring and what it actually is, but I, we have not given any. Like, I want to fix it. Let's fix it in the modern era. Well, Justin, we're going to fix it. Okay, good. But first, we're going to head to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is, is, is part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. 
Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sydney, let's fix yawning. So, in uh, as I mentioned, w- late 1800s, we get like some of the first. I said yawning. Right. I meant snoring. Yeah. That was a test. <laughs> and you failed, Doc. I did fail. Dr. Sydney Mcroy doesn't know the difference between yawning and snoring. <laughs> no, I've Would just you learned. you trust her with your medical care? I, I've just learned when I need to listen to you and when I don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a time you should have listened, Sid. <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned, in the late 1800s, we had some some like actual medical case descriptions of what we would now call sleep apnea, what was then called more like Pickwick syndrome. In the early 1900s, we didn't really know m- much of what to do about it yet, um, other than some of the things that the ancient Greeks and Romans and everybody were telling us to do, which was like, don't eat too much. Don't get drunk. Try new to your pets. to sleep on your side. Yeah, no, they didn't really tell no, us that. Not that one. Um, so we may only had like eight dogs back then, so it wasn't a big problem. <laughs> make as many as you can. I uh, want dogs. <laughs> please, why please, can't there be more dogs? Please put on some sexy music for your dogs, please, <laughs> so we can all have dogs instead of just Jerry. <laughs> and it's really interesting. As a side note, you don't get a ton of treatments for snoring up until like this point in history. Uh, and sleep apnea too and a lot of it has to do with like as you read people didn't live on such rigid schedules Mm. so like if you weren't getting enough sleep you just like slept more more, or like you or you're like they would keep really weird sleep schedules so like they would wake up after four hours of sleep and go do something and then sleep some more after that because it it, you know people weren't running the nine to five i know they all died at like 27 years old or something but like it does sound pretty good. I it doesn't even no, want to think about now, it. Now, see, again, the, the lifespan was skewed by an increase in mortality under the age of two. So oh. so there were people who lived a long time. Cheery thoughts with Sydney Mac. No, I'm just saying. It's not, it's not that. Not everybody died in their 20s. Fair. Anyway, the okay. point is our schedule in the modern era necessitated that we sleep at night and stay awake all day. And so as the industrial age comes upon us we see more and more weird devices to help you get sleep and lots of solutions for various sleep problems 
you know, whether it be insomnia or um, grinding your teeth or snoring. It's interesting that some people just sort of default to certain times that they, you know, some people just seem to be people who Mm -hmm. like to go to sleep later or like to wake up. Like they're just put together that way. Just it has to do with their circadian rhythms and probably Mm -hmm. the release of melatonin and, Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So anyway, in the early 1900s, we made a bunch of weird devices to try to help with snoring. So you see like some of these really look like medieval torture devices mm-hmm. where like your arms and chest are, are like strapped really tightly to you and then you can't breathe very deeply. And that was thought to like help with snoring. Huh. Um, and sometimes there would be like a, a ball attached to the back of it. So that if you try to roll over on your back, it would hurt a lot. Um, there's what? another one that has like a dial right in the middle of your back. So again, like it's like a sort of like a shoulder harness with like this big metal dial in like the middle. Like we heard you've been sleeping bad, so we decided to make it like as bad as humanly possible. Well, because they knew you would likely to snore more if you laid on your back. It was like, here are things that will make it very uncomfortable. Yeah. If you lay on your back. Um is some of these attached to you with like there was one that would hold your mouth and lips open, sort of like um when you if you go to the dentist and you gotta get those things oh, the retractors ghastly, that hold yeah. your, like something like that that would hold it all open and then it was attached to a string that you tied around your neck <laughs> to keep it in place. That, like choking hazard to the max, right? Yeah, I mean these there was another one that was like sort of like a wide flat kazoo that you would just keep in your mouth and you had to breathe through. And then they noted that if you flipped it around the other way, it would make a lot of noise. I don't know what the purpose of that was. Anyway, just you, can, fun for the kids. you can look up early 1900s anti-snoring devices and they're horrifying. And I don't know who came up with any of them and I don't know why. Just one guy. Um, But really, it looks like it, they look like torture devices. Um, It wasn't really. It's funny because like we obviously had this sort of interest in this stuff. But it really wasn't until the 1960s that anybody started actually studying it. To do real science. Yes, to do real science on it. So that's when um, people started to try to define what is uh, specifically when does snoring, when is it indicative of something maybe worse like sleep apnea? You do. It seems a little odd, but like we don't want to give them too much crap because like in the medical disorder power rankings, like there are probably a few things we need to bang out before we got around to snoring. Like, Hey, I hate snoring. Yeah. I have polio. Can we like well, focus on that please? That's fair. And it is, it it is good to make a distinction that like, yes, I don't think that just snoring necessarily needed to be high on the list. Fair. Now sleep apnea is a whole other matter. Um, and so we actually started studying in the 1960s and the initial like studies that they did to try to figure out how often are we missing this concluded that it was incredibly rare. They did a study in the US and found no one in their study group that had it, like not one. The UK study they did, which, ha- which included like over a thousand men, found mm-hmm. like three cases. Weird. And the authors actually, they said in one of their papers, we actually think it does not exist in Scotland at all. What? Right. So I don't know if it was our diagnostic test. That was probably part of it. Part of it was our criteria for who had sleep apnea, who doesn't, our understanding of what the disorder was. But as time went on, we developed better tests. How do we figure out if somebody has sleep apnea and all that kind of thing? And now we know that it's actually fairly common. Huh. Yeah. So, so sleep apnea has it's not a new thing we just didn't diagnose it for a really yeah, long like time a lot of people i know have the have the masks i think yeah. both are dads yes so it's way more common than we ever thought and that's one of the big things about sleep apnea is it, it probably has been underdiagnosed for a long time 
I think currently it's way more people, physicians are way more aware of it and more likely to ask about it. And I think patients are more likely to come in and ask about it too. Hmm. So, so we hear about it more. Um, in addition to some of the things I mentioned for sleep apnea, just so you know, some of the other risk factors, we talked about age, we talked about obesity, um, this, just your craniofacial structure, just the structure of your head and neck could big, put you at higher like risk, big, like you have big head bigger, like thicker, like a small, um, like a small area in the back of your throat, like just a smaller area back there, mm-hmm. you know, could put you at higher risk, um, smoking, Alcohol consumption, sleeping on your back, family history seem to risk. Uh, and and it's and the reason I'm talking about this is, again, this isn't just snoring. When we're talking about sleep apnea, it's not just quality of life. People with sleep apnea that are untreated are tired. Tired like you're not just like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I mean, they're tired mm-hmm. all the time. And they also are at higher risk for things like high blood pressure, uh, heart disease, strokes, maybe even dementia, um, complications with operations if they need anesthesia. And like they they have car accidents because they can't stay awake while they're driving. Right. So and nowadays we mainly treat sleep apnea with something called a CPAP that you have already alluded to. Yeah. It's, mask. Like a, it's a machine that blows air into your mouth, right? That's good. Yes. Continuous positive airway pressure. CPAP. CPAP. So it's positive pressure blown into your airway to, I mean, you get oxygen that way, but the, the most important thing is it holds your airway open. Um, they also recommend if you do, if you're diagnosed with it, that losing weight sometimes can help, um, decreasing alcohol intake, maybe cutting back on smoking, uh, sleeping on your side. As I said, elevating the head of your bed, there are surgeries, but they're not always helpful. It really depends on exactly what the cause is. Like sometimes if your tonsils are super large and they're blocking your airway, removing them large. Yeah. Well, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes removing them could fix it, but not always. Um, so it's not usually a first line treatment. It's usually the mask mm. with snoring though, with snoring, so many options. Yeah. This is a whole other world. So some of these things you've probably heard of and tried before, like breathe right strips. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever used them for snoring? Absolutely. If your snoring is related to nasal congestion, like you got, like you said, snot or something blocking your airway, maybe they would help some. Okay. That's about it. If your snoring has anything to do with the back of your throat, it's not going to do anything. It just works on your nose. So if you're snoring because your allergies are really bad, maybe. Okay, good to know. Maybe. Um, but, you know, the mo- the thing they help with most is the subjective sensation of nasal congestion. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah they make you feel less stuffy. Sure. Um, but they're safe, so you can try them. Yeah, you're the world. Um, there are mouth guards that can be effective for some people. Um, a lot of these you actually have to be fitted for by a dentist. Mm. There are ones you can buy over the counter, but if you want to make sure it's, yeah, if you want to make sure it's the right thing and they kind of move your jaw forward to open up the back of your airway more, Mm. that's how they work. Um, and then there are all kinds of odd suggestions on the internet. Everything like herbal things like peppermint oil or spearmint or vitamin C or eucalyptus, um, humidifiers, olive oil. Uh, I saw somebody say chew raw garlic every night before you go to bed. Charming. Your, sure. your partner will love that. Yeah. Um, neti pots have been suggested for this. Ginger. Uh, I saw a lot of suggestions that you sew a tennis ball to the back of your shirt. Like, same idea. Keep you from rolling same on your back. I, yeah. This sounds like a wild suggestion, but I once worked with a sleep specialist, a physician who specialized in sleep medicine, 
who would give his patients T-shirts with tennis balls sewn on the back of them. That could, that's confusing though, because if people see you in public with that, they're just going to assume you love tennis. <laughs> it's a cool new look. Yeah. Uh, there are like things like nasal sprays that almost certainly don't work for the most part. Oral dissolving strips. They usually are herbal. I have no idea why these would you, work. You saw somebody you were getting mad about last night. I am. I'm getting to that. Um, there are also things like rings that you stick up your nostrils to hold your nose open. Yeah, I had one of those. Right. And again, if it has to do with a stuffy nose, that might help some. But if it has anything to do with anything else, now, it's this not doesn't going hold to. My, my, the one I had does not hold my nostrils open. It pinched my septum. Yes. Not my septum. My, yes. what's that thing called? Your septum. This is my septum? Yeah. This? Yes. That's my septum. Yes. You can't see this, listener. I'm sorry. It I'm is. pinching. It pinched the middle of your nose. Okay. But not the middle of my nose. That's not, that's ink, that's the, the not thing concrete in enough. The middle. Like the bottom, like right. the holes. The thing in the middle. That's the, like the thing bowl. that separates your two nostrils is the septum. Right. I know what you're saying. Yeah. The lower septum, I mean. Not the upper bridge I, of your nose where no. the optograph goes. I mean, like. <laughs> A couple things made me mad. Um... <laughs> I'll start with the one that made me really mad and I'll go to the one that I think is funnier. So there's one, the, there's one product I found called Nature's Right Sleep Apnea Relief Tablets. Mm -hmm. This is an herbal tablet that is supposed to work by improving the signaling between your brain and your diaphragm. Sure. Which is one of, it's a big muscle that is involved in many things, including like helping you breathe. And the idea is that it will regulate the amount of oxygen in your blood better. It's made of several things. One, they're all herbal things. Lobelia, which, and these are quotes, boosts respiratory wellness. Thyme, which enhances pleural activity and promotes respiratory health. And chamomile and cramp bark, which helps the musculoskeletal system to promote relaxation. Mm. It's a tablet and it tells you it will cure your sleep apnea for the low, low price of $45.99 for a month's supply. Mm -hmm. There's more than most people pay for prescription meds if they have insurance. Yeah. Um, that's ridiculous. That will not work. It doesn't make any scientific sense. I don't know what boosts respiratory wellness, promotes respiratory health, enhances pleural activity. I don't know what any of those things are supposed to mean. And also, if you are advising people to go treat their sleep apnea with tablets instead of actual like mechanisms that address the root cause of sleep apnea you could be killing them mm -hmm. so please don't take these tablets and this is on like i think sometimes we talk about this stuff it sounds like fragile medicine it's on amazon it's like just yeah. for sale and you just buy it on amazon and I, it, and they are urging people they're showing people pictures of people wearing cpaps and saying you don't want this to be you anymore so they're urging you not to go with the gold standard recommended medical treatment but to go take this herbal tablet, this is unacceptable. If you want to take one of these herbal tablets before you strap on your CPAP and go to bed, okay. Eliminate. This is what the listing on Amazon, a real retailer says, eliminates dependence on CPAP. Eliminates it. It doesn't. It, I'm telling you our, it doesn't. Our, I've never used it. It doesn't. Our policing of uh, uh, non-drug supplements in this country is an absolute disgrace and a nightmare. It's genuinely terrifying. This is very don't take this anything. Is very dangerous. Just don't take anything. Don't because, take anything. Because sleep apnea doesn't have to be dangerous if it's treated appropriately. And I, I tell that to patients all the time. It sounds really scary when I tell them all the things that can happen. 
But if you get diagnosed with a sleep study and you are treated appropriately, you can have quality of life back. Ask my dad. He's like a sleep apnea CPAP machine evangelist. He will tell you that he got his CPAP. He felt better than he had in decades. He lost 40 pounds and started playing basketball again and enjoyed life once more. And he sleeps with it every single night. And he is so thankful for it. So my point is don't take these stupid sleep apnea relief tablets. Go get treated for your sleep apnea. This is funnier. The Orbit Bio Anti-Snore Pendant. Okay. Now this has nothing to do with sleep apnea. This is just for snoring. It's a stainless steel pendant. It's just like a little pen. It's like a ring. It looks like a little steel donut on a on a cord. And you wear it at around your neck at night while you sleep. And it's supposed to stop you from snoring by improving the flow of energy in your body. Here's their, here's their explanation of how this works. Specialists have developed and patented a technology of applying a range of healthy energy vibrations, frequencies of light, oxygen, negative ions, earth, into the anti-snore pendant. And as human body harmonizes with the above-mentioned vibrations, anti-snore pendant is able to stabilize and relax the respiratory system, relieve stress, calm the nervous system, strengthen the immune system, blah, 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 blah. And of course, you promote deep sound sleep without snoring you wear it it will work in two to four weeks it's good for all genders they want you to know so don't feel like it's just for you dudes it's for everybody everybody. it's only 89.95 low low price and Mm -hmm. can relieve also can relieve any pain you're having as a side note oh really any pain you're having well that's excellent just wear this it's it worked better it noted if you put it on the area of pain (laughs) the pendant the pendant that makes you stop snoring that also will relieve your pain here where the snoring is happening i can't put it on my knees <laughs> well i guess it, once it fixes your snoring then you can put it on your knee and if you see the snoring getting bad move right. it back up wherever <laughs> they want you to get your money's worth you paid 90 dollars for right. this worthless pendant Don't sell it to your friend <laughs> for 80 dollars. and it fixed your snoring in two to four weeks you got to right. find something else to do with it sure it's not just gonna be kicking around your house do you want to um dunk on anybody else for you in the show no, I think How, that was let me my ask you this super quick. If I think I might have sleep apnea, what 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 should make me suspect? Hey, I should go talk to a doctor about this. So some of the things that I've mentioned, and here's what I would focus on. First of all, as you mentioned, if you're not just a snorer, but like a really righteous snorer, mm-hmm. that would be something to talk to your doctor about. Sure, some people just are snorers. And if you feel great all the time and your sleep is excellent and you just happen to snore, whatever. But if you're a really bad snore, especially if it's to the point where it's disturbing other people maybe around you or disturbing your own sleep, or if you are told, hey, you know what? Sometimes you stop breathing at night. I hear you gasp and choke. If you have ever noticed that, if you wake up in the middle of the night gasping or choking like you stop breathing, or again, if somebody in your house or your partner has said, you scare me, you sound like you stop breathing at night, those would be big red flags um, if you are excessively sleepy all day, I, again, I don't just mean like, man, it's been a long day. I'm kind of worn out. I mean, like every time you sit down, you fall asleep. People with sleep apnea generally tell me that they are asleep when their head hits the pillow. They're falling asleep in movie theaters. They're falling asleep right. when they watch TV. They fall asleep in conversation. Worst case scenario, they fall asleep at red lights when they're driving. So, um, those would be big risk factors that I would, I would talk to your doctor about, and they can check you out for this because, again, this is treatable. This is totally treatable if just not with, you know, pills and pendants, not with pills and pendants. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you have enjoyed yourself. 
Uh, we certainly appreciate you listening. We want to say a big thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And I uh, want to say a big thanks to you for listening. If you wouldn't mind if you going to iTunes and leaving us a review there and subscribing to the show, that really does help us out. So if you go re- review uh, Sawbones and say like, hey, whatever, just not whatever nice thing you want to say about us. <laughs> hey. I'll take anything. We're not picky. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week, Sydney. So my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.